Even though I live in the kingdom of heaven, I can't prove it to you. The only way is to approach God like a little child. And that means trusting and believing what is revealed of himself in his word and through his followers down through the ages. As long as we stand back with our spiritual arms folded and say, I want to believe, prove it to me and I'll believe it. It's not going to work. I did that for years. And uh, I can tell you, you'll never make any headway like that. However, if you will just take the things that he revealed and start applying them as if they were true, he'll prove himself to you. Now, there's going to be four parts, four messages in uh, the series that we're going to be going through. Uh, And they're all going to be on a study of the childlike faith this morning uh, that uh, we're going to be examining. uh, Because we're going to be examining the core conviction this morning that uh, we must have if we're going to be living a childlike faith. And that is that God is for me. So many people believe in God, but they think he is mad at them. And he's going to stay mad at them. And uh, they, uh, they, they don't, they can't trust him. And that's at the heart of faith is trust. And so uh, we, first of all, let's look at the difference between childlikeness and childishness. There's a big difference between the two. Childish depicts all the worst things about children, petulance, impetuousness, immaturity, obnoxiousness, selfishness, self-centeredness, and so on. And these are all antithetical to the Christian faith. Childlikeness, however, describes all the beautiful things about children. Trust, joy, inquisitiveness, innocence, curiosity, wonder, forgiveness, and all those things like that. This world, childlike, is the flavor of faith in God that we ought to have. When we sing, Jesus loves me, maybe you haven't sung it since you're grown, but you need to sing it every now and then just to remind you that Jesus loves you. And how do you know it? The Bible tells you so. It's childlike. And so we believe that. So we're going to be looking this morning at God is for me. Next week, God is with me. Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday, God forgives me. And then on Easter Sunday, my God can do anything. And the resurrection lets you know that that's so. God told his children in Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, the 11th verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
And that's what God has for each of you. Not bad, but good. Plans for hope and a future. Uh, in the, that's in the Old Testament that this is made clear. And then moving on into uh, Matthew, the 7th chapter, the ninth through the 11th verses, Jesus tries to get you to understand that your Heavenly Father really loves you. And he said, Or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Now then, there are those people that have, you'll hear people say from time to time, you better be careful about what you ask for because you might get it. Well, God's not going to give you anything bad. So don't be careful about because you're afraid that God's going to trick you with it or something. Just asking. In fact, uh, our heart should be such that we just say right along with Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He gives things with grace, not with meanness, not to trick us, to bless us. Sometimes if you look back on your life before you came to know him, you should be able to see those times that he blessed you whenever you were even working against him. I know I can. So the first thing that I want us to realize about being childlike and God being for us is that if you realize that God is for you, you don't hide from God, but you run to God. Now, remember Adam answered in uh, Genesis 3.10, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. We're prone to hide from God and be afraid of him. Uh, I, there's this thing that I see from time to time that talks about how the fastest creature, fastest land creature, is actually a toddler who's just been asked, what do you have in your mouth? <laughs> You ask that question and boom, off they go, right? And whenever, next time you see that happen, remember, that is a reenactment from the Garden of Eden. Have you ever thought about that? It just shows the sort of nature that we're born with. We're born when we get in trouble just to run and hide from the people that love us. And so uh, uh, anyway, it's just uh, amazing to watch that. And I have seen that so many times with my grandkids, with my kids. Boy, that mouth just bulging with something and running like they're going to win a track meet or something. Just amazing. So uh, but if you really trust God and knowing you're going to run to him and uh, as Jesus has told us, 
ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. And then on in Mark 11, uh, 24, he says, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted to you. And then in Matthew 18, two through four, we read, so Jesus called a child to come and stand in front of him and said, I assure you that unless you change or repent and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who humbles himself and becomes as this child. I don't know how many people that I have known that were so proud, they wouldn't humble themselves and ask God for what they needed. I remember one fellow, uh, some of you heard this story before, he needed $10,000 and he was so desperate he asked his preacher if maybe I could come up with $10,000 to loan him. I mean, it was hand to mouth time for us at that time. I didn't have it. So I had to ask him, I said, uh, have you prayed about this? And his answer was, well, I wasn't praying whenever I came into uh, the money that I had. And now, so I'm not going to pray to him now that I don't have any. And so what I did is I just said, and this is something you need to know. Sometimes you can believe for people that have no faith themselves. And so what I did, I said, well, do you mind if I pray for you? And he said, okay. And so I prayed that the Lord would just make a way for him. And uh, then the next week I ran across him again. And I said, well, so how things go? He said, man, you wouldn't believe. And uh, things had come together for him. But see, somebody needed to ask God about it. He couldn't, he wouldn't do it. And sometimes we, uh, well, let's see, how's it go? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Uh, oh, let's see, oh, what peace we offer. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. Kids don't have any trouble asking their parents for things, do they? Uh, sometimes parents wind up teaching children not to ask them because anyway, but we won't go into that. But generally the first person that somebody starts looking to for help is their parents. And then when you get grown, you've got a God in heaven who's your heavenly father and you can ask him. And it's amazing what will happen if you are willing to ask so uh, anyway, Jesus spoke a great deal about prayer and some people don't wind up really getting into the life that they need to be living because they're afraid to ask. They're afraid of God. They don't know that God is for them. And so if you're one of those people that's been holding back fearfully from God, he wants you to know he loves you. He's like a heavenly parent that cares about you. And so uh, if there's nothing else that gets across to you today, I hope that that will be it. God is for you. Sometimes 
I think we can hear or read a scripture and uh, it just seems that it's something in the Bible and it has no real application to our lives. It doesn't really register with us or resound in our hearts. And that's why you need to continuously read the Bible. Read it every day, just a little bit. You don't have to read the 16 chapters, just two verses, anything, because the Lord will speak to you through it. And uh, so anyway, there may be things that you missed before, and there will be things you missed before. But when you read it again, all of a sudden it'll come alive to you. Okay, so... uh, Oh, what I, the life really gets exciting when we receive what we read in scripture. And by this, I mean, we really receive what is said as something meant for our lives today and not just something that Jesus or somebody else said a couple of thousand years ago or 3000 years ago. I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't hold up scholasticism, intellectualism, or bookishness as prerequisites for entering the kingdom of heaven. But instead, he lifts up childlikeness of faith. He lifts that up as a chief requirement, not a suggestion, a requirement. It seems that the chief area in which Jesus wants to see childlikeness is in our faith, and that's going to show when we pray. D.L. Moody related an incident which shows us just what Jesus means when he calls us to be childlike in our faith and in our prayers. There was a little girl who had lost both her father and her mother, and uh, she was taken in by another family. And the first night that she spent in her new home, she asked if she could pray as she used to. And they said, oh, of course. And so she knelt down by her bed and she prayed as her mother had taught her to pray. And when that was ended, the little girl uh, added a little prayer of her own. And she said, oh, God. Make these people as kind to me as father and mother were. And then she paused and she looked up as if she was expecting an answer. And then she added, of course he will. And you know what? He did. How sweetly simple was that little girl's faith. She prayed expecting God to do, and he did. She got her request. May we all pray expecting our loving Heavenly Father to do as well. So you don't hide from God, but you run to God. Next, if you don't live for God, well, well, you don't live for God's approval, but you live from his approval. He's for you. He thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread. Every one of you. He really cares about you. Uh, in uh, Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This past week, I think it was Friday, I saw an Iranian on TV who had been brought up a Muslim and he, uh, he wanted to get close to God, but through all the Islamic practices, he wasn't getting close to God and it just bothered him. And he wound up just in the car with someone who uh, had had a drink and they got stopped by the religion police and uh, they took them both out of the car. And even though he was just riding in the car with this guy, they beat the driver mercilessly, but they also beat him and they uh, tortured him by with with batteries and wires and uh, just uh, uh, just did horrible things to him. And he did nothing to deserve that. That really turned him away from Islam. And his mother tried to explain to him, oh, well, uh, Muslims are good. You just ran across a couple of bad ones there. But he knew that there was something missing. And he had heard about Jesus. But people had told him, you know, Jesus didn't die for people's sins. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And, uh, but he was just curious about this. And so he finally, he said, I didn't know how to pray other than the way that they pray, that Muslims pray. So I got on my knees and I asked God, and this is just it. You see, he was asking sincerely. He wasn't asking arrogantly. He'd heard on TV about a Jesus that loved him and cared about him and died for him and rose from the dead to offer him eternal life. And so he just prayed. He said, God, I want to know. Jesus, are you really the son of God? Did you really die for my sins? Did you really rise from the dead? He prayed in a childlike way. He prayed sincerely. He said all of a sudden he felt a tingling in his hands. It went up his arms and all over his body. And all of a sudden he felt loved. And he felt like he loved everybody. He'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. God answered his prayer. <coughs> And uh, it was just like on the day of Pentecost, he even spoke, he even spoke in tongues like uh, like uh, the Gentiles did when at Cornelius's house, whenever he received uh, the, the message, the message was confirmed to him by God and by God's presence. And just like it was whenever I came to really know him, he felt loved. And all of a sudden he knew God was for him. And he knew that feeling of if God is for me, who can stand against me? And this is what we should do whenever we're childlike in our faith and live that life. And we have questions. God answers them in the most powerful ways. You just can't believe how he can. So anyway, uh, I can remember when I first came to know him. I had realized that God was real 
and that it was my sin that separated me from him. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I just knowing all this, knowing that all the stuff in the Bible was real and not knowing how to appropriate it. I just cried out, Jesus, help me. And he just came in the room and I was in the presence of pure, unadulterated love. That sense of his love has not left me to this day. And uh, he loves you just like he loves me. I knew that my sin had brought condemnation to me. I didn't know what to do about it. And he said, even as I was thinking about it, he said, I took care of all that, Joel. That's, that's what the cross is about, you know. I did that for you. I knew you were going to mess up. And let me add, he knew you were going to mess up. And because he loved you, he went to the cross and he died for you. There was a place on that cross for all the different things that you're going to feel bad about and feel that they separated you from God. And they did until Jesus took them upon himself and paid the price for them. And he made it clear to me that he didn't do that just for me, but he did it for everyone. And the problem is some people just won't receive it. It's so simple, but it has to be received in a childlike way. Analyzing it isn't going to make it so. It's already so. It just has to be received. That's all you can do is accept it. That's why we celebrate Holy Communion this morning is to remember that. The last thing. You don't fear what happens to you because you know God is working for you and in you. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And in Philippians two thirteen, For it is God who works in you. And will act according to his good purpose. David was willing, was able to say in Psalm 66, 16, come and listen, all who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. He is for you and he will do for you. Now, I've uh, walked with him for quite a few years now. And the longer that you walk with him, the more he builds your faith, the more you realize he's been for you, even when you thought that things were not the way that they should be. When I look back now, I realize that God has been with me in my yesterdays. My God has been for me in all my yesterdays, even times whenever I didn't even realize he was working for me. He was. And since God has been for me in my yesterdays, I know that I can trust him with all of my tomorrows. Since my God has been for me in my yesterdays, I can trust him in my tomorrows because God is good. All the time. All the time. 
You are listening. I'm so glad. Okay. So anyway, but he is good all the time. And uh, he is for you. And he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And if God is for you, who can be against you? When you realize that he is for you, you don't hide from him. You run to him. You don't live for his approval. You live in his approval. You don't worry what happens to you because you know he is working in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, and I pray that your spirit would land deep within our hearts and that we would truly know your love and believe in your goodness that you are for us. And when you are for us, nothing can be against us. God, I lift up those people uh, before you. And I pray, God, that in your presence, that your goodness and your grace would minister to everyone here who needs you in some way in their lives. God, we thank you that even in the middle of things that we never want, the significant trials that I know so many are facing right now, that you're a good God and that you're working in all things. God, I pray that you would build faith, that you would bring encouragement, that you would lift us, God, as we believe in your goodness. You are for us. God, thank you in advance for what you're going to do for those who are struggling and hurting today as they reach out to you and receive your goodness and cry out to you asking for your help. You are the God who hears us and answers us. And for that, we are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.